think I got my boy on here, DJ Rome. Are you here with me? Hey, how you doing, good brother? Hey, I'm cool. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm well, man. You know, we up here, and when I say up here, we are up here. We got some weather up here like you wouldn't believe, man. Oh. How y'all doing down there? Oh, we're sunshine and glory, man. Sunshine and glory. Sunshine <laughs> and glory? Yeah, man. I can't take well, all that rain. That's too much, man. I, I, that's too much. I, I can't take it. That's too much, man. That's why I don't live up there. That's why I don't live up there. Okay, but it, well, with that being said, how was your day? Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. Most of the time it's cool. I think I'm going to have to take a trip to uh, Oakland and find Rafael Sadiq and Tony, 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 because they said it never rains in Southern California. I guess that they weren't playing. Well, but that doesn't include Northern California, because it's raining up here today, my brother. Yeah, man. Y'all, you up north, You're man. listening See, to we, exciting uh, premium content on KCWG. You're listening to exciting premium content on KCWG. We can't go nowhere, man. We can't do it, you know? But uh, y'all don't because you can't go anywhere because y'all got some traffic down there so that's, <laughs> that's, that's why y'all can't go anywhere but we don't have it like that up here but mm. i ain't mad at y'all with this sunshine and um and uh birdies chirping today it, it, despite that man it, it's been a good day man i'm i just got in not too long ago and it has been a hectic day multiple meetings okay. you know how that grind is what we do and um i'm sure miss carter knows a little something about that when we bring her on right. and um a typical Thursday in that it was very, very, very impacted. Mm. But I felt like it was very productive. How was your day, man? Well, you know, man, I my day is uh, full of uh, just things, unexpected things, and uh, that's why uh, we do what we do. We are, are we are the glue. Uh, we know what the administrators uh, need to do. We know the, how the teachers need to do it. Uh, we know the ins and outs, and uh, we are the glue. And so uh, they, at the end of the day, it's always about our perspective. And uh, if you hold your character and you understand personality and presentation, which early in my career I did not, um, but I do now. It took me a while. I'm a late bloomer. Um, it, it, it goes well, and it will go into the direction I choose it to because I am a commander. And um, as a psychologist and even as a man, I choose my destiny, and I command things to come forth. Um, I do not wait for anybody to do anything, but I do wait on God. But I don't think I wait on God. I think he's waiting on us. So with that being said, I had an awesome day. I'm still living. I'm breathing. Um, I'm excited about today's show. And uh, today's show is uh, titled uh, The Black Woman, her, her Dreams, Her Visions, and Her Struggles. And I definitely... I'm excited because we have uh, uh, Neil Clark, school psychologist, um, college professor, teacher, counselor, world traveler, back again. And I am so grateful because uh, she has so many experiences in life. She's kind of one of those people that, have you ever been in, in a time zone warp where you were born in a certain era, but God bless you to live to see the transitions of so many time zones and decades where you're like, and you still look good. And that's Nell Clark. So I want to introduce Nell Clark. I think she's on right now. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. And you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How was your day? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we crazy on the air. We crazy. We real with it. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I see that. Y'all, y'all know each other or something? What's going on around here? <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> well, well, go ahead. Go ahead, DJ. In, if I can jump in real quick, it's a pleasure to talk to you live on the air, Nell, because I did listen to your debut when uh, Russ and I were first embarking upon this, and I was extremely inspired by what I heard from you. So I am honored to speak with you talking tonight about one of my favorite subjects and it is a pleasure to be doing this subject with you thank you and it's a pleasure for me too well let let me let me let me start it off a little bit because i just had a moment a second ago and i want to uh i want to throw some at you now and then i'll just let you take out i i was telling um a couple people they asked me today about the show and they and i let them know about the show and i let them know about you and they asked me a question, what, what did you think about her when you kind of first got to know who she was and what she was and what she was about? And that was a very deep question for me because I, I, I've always answered a couple of them, but I never really got deep, deep 
in my heart in my first impression. My first uh-huh. impression was, thank God somebody's helping me, first of all, uh, because uh, I didn't know if anybody was going to help me. And the situation with that is San Diego State University. I was kind of militant, um, militant being that uh, I'm very Afrocentric. I'm very uh, proactive when it comes to parents, when it comes to children, no matter what the race. So I would say I'm more multicultural. I am definitely uh-huh. an advocate. And so when I first saw you, I was like, huh, that's different. She black. Huh. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, every day been that way all my life. And, and then, and then in my in my mind, I said, "Hey, she she don't look wore out." Dang. Okay, she's <laughs> hip. Okay, whatever. So you know, I I kind of introduced myself, and I remember just sitting down, and I just remember the whole room spinning, and I was just sitting there and just wondering, <laughs> like, how did she? You know, first thing you you think about is title. You know, the title of psychologist, and you think about. Oh, how in the world did she get through these classes? How did she get through this internship? How did she write these papers? And how did she do this? And I remember you looking at me and said, just relax. It's going to be all right. You are safe. And I went, I remember in my mind saying, what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> and I just did. I just did because I was angry. I was angry. I was, I was frustrated. Um, and then I... I kind of went back and on our topic now, and I said, man, she's a black woman. She made it. She must be very powerful. She's going to teach me something. And then a little part of me was like, wait a minute, how can she teach me anything? I'm a man. And then as you begin to talk, <laughs> as you begin to talk, I, I kind of sucked down in my chair, like it put the thumb in my mouth and said, okay. <laughs> okay. And I listened. And I listened. And I listened, and I kept on listening. And you definitely empowered me. You definitely took me on that journey where um, I needed that journey from you. I needed from a black woman, not not a white woman, not a a black woman that could share my culture. You're from San Bernardino, and I'm from yeah. the city also. So I needed that. Uh, I needed that experience and that relationship of understanding. And so with that being said, uh, I'm going to throw some stuff at you. I know DJ Rome is going to throw some stuff at you. Where, 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 where are we at? Where are you guys at as black women? I know you are an older woman, and uh-huh. you've seen some things. You look young. You definitely look young. You look good. But where, <laughs> where, where has the trend gone? Where, where's it going? Where's it where it was? What what is happening? What what is your take on? Let's let's talk about let's talk about first the struggles of a okay. black woman. Let's put it in order like that. Okay. Well, well, in the first place, historically, black women have had to look out for black men, for our sons, for our husbands, for the people in our lives, the males, the black males in our lives who are important, because the society was set up against the black male. And because we love our sons and fathers and uncles and cousins, we had to figure out what we could do to make sure that they'd be safe and that they could have the things that we wanted for them. Okay, so you notice that that when San Diego State asked me to take on this this African-American who who had issues, that was easy for me because I had been through the struggle with San Diego State and I knew that they didn't necessarily care about us. And I said to myself when I got out, any African-American male that wants to come, or, or female, who wants to come my way, I'm going to help them navigate that system. Because that system, uh, the person who was in charge of that system, and you and I know who we're talking about, uh, that person wanted to make over black graduate students in their own image. And we don't need to be made over in somebody else's image. We need to be who we are and and draw our strength from God and from that. And that's where my head was when I said, oh, yeah, I'll take that student. Yeah. Send that student to me. And so you came to me, and my intention was to do nothing but give you all the tools you needed to be successful. And that's I think that's historical for black women in America. Yeah. If we want... If we want our society, you know, if we want us as black people to be successful, we got to look out for each other. And so that's where I was coming from when you came my way. 
Okay, okay. And Does that sound like good sense to you? No, it sounds like good sense. I mean, well, you know, for you to help I mean, me, you must have an understanding about um, the, the, the black man because why would you help me? I've had other sisters that would not. Um, why did you? I mean, we understand what you just said, but there was something well, deep I inside think, you. I think my, my parents taught me that. My parents taught me we always have to reach back and give back so that we, you know, so that black people in general will benefit from our being here. Okay. And that's what, that's what motivates me to do what I do. As you know, I'm retired and I'm still back in the system helping kids. All right, all right. But that's, that's, that's what it is. My, my parents taught me, you give back. You don't just take. And when you give back, that's, that's your strength. That's where you draw your strength from. Mm-hmm. And so every time you are successful, it makes me proud and excited that I was able to have some small measure in that. Mm-hmm. Because when I give back, you give back. Okay, okay. DJ Rowan. And that's what, that's, what, that's what it meant to me. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying, because after you did all that with Russ, years down the line, he ran into this brother named DJ Rome. Now, what what period was that when Russ and you first encountered one another? Do you remember what year that was? It, it was in the 90s, like 19... Was it in the 90s or 2000, Thomas? It was uh, 1998 to 1990, no, 99, and then it was on Okay, after that. So, so that year that I had you as my intern... Yes. Uh huh. Yes. So that was when it was. That's incredible. So years later, he and I met in 2008. So just thinking historically, you know, just sort of putting into context what you said and how black women have historically looked out for us, I couldn't agree more because this whole thing with Harriet Tubman being on the $20 bill and they just recently found a picture of her when she was much younger and Uh she, anybody, represents and embodies that spirit of reaching back, giving back. And you can fast forward all the way up to people like Shirley Chisholm, Fannie Lou Hamer. There's something ingrained in sisters early on that you are the nurturers and the protectors. And politically, right. I think in late 90s, we had, uh, that was the end of Bill Clinton's term, his second term, and all that scandal was going on when Russ and you met. And so right. coming out of that, that must have really been a period for you. But just in terms of the presidency, this is what I want to throw at you. When I think about Barack Obama, who just left office, and I'm so glad he made it through without something happening yeah. to him. <laughs> you feel me? And so I was talking to someone oh, yeah. about how would he have been who he became without Michelle? Because Michelle was already established when he came into her life. She was his mentor. She was somebody who was brought into his life when he was aspiring to reach to his higher purpose. And there's a, a sense in me that no matter what would have happened, of course, there historically linked forever now so they couldn't have done anything without the other but if you could play with me on this one he probably wouldn't have she would have been okay without him but he wouldn't have been okay without her in the sense that black right. women have all been there for us and black women have always had to sort of light that torch for us and take the blows and take the heat in order for us to rise to a certain level of affluence how do you see black men today from a black woman's perspective? Do you see that reaching back still occurring? And is there any, how much of that spirit of reaching back and helping black men still exists with sisters today? Are they getting impatient with us because we're not where they would like for us to be? Where are the dynamics today between black women and black men? Well, I think we still, I think black women still want black men to be successful and want to be there to help them. And some accept that and some don't. But with me, I feel like if you can't accept that I want to help you, then and you feel like you, you can do it on your own, go ahead. But if you need my help, come back. Come back and, you know, reconnect. Because yeah. it's important for us to help each other. You mm-hmm. know, when, uh, when that... Uh, the letter was the the lynch letters were written that said uh if you want to conquer black people all you have to do is set them against each other i fight that i fight that because i don't believe we have to be against each other and originally that was that was how the white power structure thought that they could separate us they thought they would separate black men and women they won't help they won't be able to help each other they'll just be out to to hurt each other 
And mm-hmm. I fight that because it would be easy to do that, given the way our society is now. You know, everybody for out for themselves and not necessarily right. thinking about black people as a group. But as a psychologist, right. I think about that. Exactly. And, and I encourage other people to think about that. I encourage um, black women to reach out and help young young black men and women, but especially mm-hmm. men because the society is set against them. They want everybody to be afraid. And who do they want right. them to be afraid of? African-American males. Okay. Who do they yeah. who do they villainize? African American males, whether it's deserved or not. Now, I'm not saying that all African American uh, men are perfect, but I don't mm-hmm. think they're. I don't think they deserve the rap that they get. Oh, and so I that's understand. why I fight. Well, let me that's throw. Why I'm well, let me throw something oh. at you. Let me get a little uncomfortable. Make you a little uncomfortable. I'll make myself uncomfortable. You know I'm crazy. Okay. Um, there's a couple issues. Um, I think that. Uh, even in my personal life, when I look at the dating scene, okay, and I look at love and passion and sensuality and sexuality, and I look at the young girls today, there's a kind of a couple categories, and I, I want I want to tell you an incident that happened, and I want you to, to tell me how you would handle that, and I'll, I'll leave that on the okay. back burner right now. But the first thing I want okay. to say is that, um, you know, I'm I'm old school, and I'm like I said, I'm in that era where. I did gang bang, but at the same time, I had enough sense, you know, to 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 go into the to the service. I, I gang bang after the service, and I just had some sense to go to school, whatever that is. And God really blessed me at that time. I I didn't know, and I hope I don't offend somebody when I'm about to say, but I didn't know about no weaves. And I would look at our black women, and I would go, "What they putting a the weave on for?" And now let me tell you why I say that. Let me tell you why I say that. I say that because I loved our culture. I loved our hair. I loved the texture of our hair. I understand that we come all the shapes and sizes and textures. Uh, I look at my kids, and in my bloodline, I'm what you call black Indian. So my kids have very kind of thin hair, long hair, curly hair. And, uh, you know, but you look at some people, they have kinky hair. They got nappy hair. Nappy hair, it's not a bad term to me. Um, it's just not. It's like we have kinky, we have we have wool, like wool, you know? Um, uh-huh. it, it describes it in the Bible. I don't like, and I understand this concept too, if it takes something to make you look better, make yourself look better, cool. But what I don't like is you're trying to depict other cultures. And I think, now I'm about to go crazy here, okay? Here we go. <laughs> I'm about to say something real deep, right? I'm going to go crazy, okay? So I've talked to a lot of men about why don't you date black women? Where the love? And they'll go, I like the silky feeling that an Asian has on her hair or uh, a Latina and a white woman because, you know, black women don't take care of themselves. Uh, my mother has always has said, you know, black women don't really take care of themselves. And I go, well, mom, why don't they take care of themselves? Well, they don't have the resources. They don't have the money. They don't have fathers. Um, this generation is not conscientious about the inside, they're conscious about the outside, and if they can't get that, some of them let themselves go. I want you I want you to address that, and what do you think about that? Okay, well, again, that's, that's an individual thing. Okay. Some women don't take care of themselves, but some do. And some, you know, some black women take real good care of themselves, and some don't. Okay. But it's really hard to make a big sweeping generalization like that. Okay. Because it's individual. Okay. So what do you do when you run across a sister who does take care of herself? Do you think that she's an oddity? Okay. Okay. Or do you think that just something strange about her? What? Well, for me, I, I'm just throwing it out because I do understand I individuality. But I, you know, I, I go so many places and I listen. Because one of the things that I do is listen to other people and I'm nosy. And I sit back and I listen to conversations. And I listen to uh-huh. women. And I listen. I go, Wow. And I listen to those people I counsel. For example, let me let me throw this scenario and uh, how you would handle this as a veteran of the game. I was okay. embarking on two African-American young ladies at the age of 16 and uh, didn't understand why they were arguing and wanted to fight. I called both of them over there, and one of them was dressed very, very nice. 
Uh, I mean, extremely nice. And she was heavy set, but she was extremely nice. Had her hair in braids. I mean, it was bomb. The other one looked like she's straight out of the projects and out of the project book. And I had Kim counseling her, and she her attitude's like nobody cares, and I don't care. I don't care. How I look. And so I understood where she was coming from, just in her attitude. Now, as they begin to talk, and I'm the mediator. Uh, one of the things I talk about is respect, and I and the reason I said respect is because. I noticed that the one that was very dressed really nice kept looking at the other girl up and down. And I stopped. You know me, I'm bold. So I said, why are you looking at her up and down? And another girl, a third party says, oh, we have a clique here. It's called the haves and the have-nots. And I said, oh, yeah? And I said, uh, well, who are you? I told the nice-looking, well-put-together. She said, I am what you call the black elite. I said, oh, you're the black elite? Well, what is she? And she said, oh, she's scum. And I had to break them oh, up. Oh, no. I had to break them up. And I had yeah. to let the one that was dressed very nice, I said, hey, you still black. And by the way, right. don't you live around the corner from her? <laughs> don't you right. live in the same hood? Well, I do, but, you know, look at me. I said, well, look at you. But I'm different. But I'm different. And when I, what, what was so kind of touching me was the Latina's, were looking at this from afar, and they were so intrigued by the disparity and the separation of the races yeah. that they were just like, "Wow, we never, we we never heard anything like that." And so, but you see, there's that there's that lynch separation again. If you can set black kids, black people against each other right. with false false equivalencies, mm -hmm. okay? Because one of the things that my parents taught us was. And I say us, meaning my my siblings and myself, was don't start thinking that because we have all that we have, that God couldn't take it away tomorrow. And all the people that you step on on your way up will be the people you have to deal with on your way down. Now, that's real simple, but it's meaningful to me and to my siblings. Nobody who mm -hmm. knew us growing up would ever think that we were snobs because we were not or would think that we thought we were better than anybody else, because we did not. And that was because my parents made us understand that in the grand scheme of things, we are all black children of God, and we all deserve respect. And that's how I live my life. Awesome. Yeah. So, Do black so I understand what you're talking about, but it's that, it's that society wanting us to, to split ourselves into uh, different groups, and then to believe that one of us is better than the other, because one of the things my mother used to tell me all the time was when they drop the net for the black folks, they're going to get all those that think that they're not black but have a drop of black blood in them. And so, you know, I'm old school too. And that made sense to me, because if they disrespect one black person, they're going to disrespect all black people. They don't care. Right. So why should we right. buy into that? It's not yeah. good for us to buy into that because we we disrespect ourselves when we do that. What's the main struggle that black women you think are facing today with regard to issues like that and dealing with black men? The disrespect, you know. Many black men that? feel like uh, we disrespect them if we insist on being respected. And to me, all women need to be respected. And black what women are no different than other women when it, when it comes to needing to have the respect of the people around us. I don't think we're any right. different than any other women who want respect. I agree. But you got to bring it. How the, say that again? Say that again. What gets in the way of the respect? How is it so challenging for women to feel respected today? Well, for black women, it's difficult to feel respected because of all the things that slavery has, has, has left on our society, okay? Uh, during slavery, black women were not respected. They were treated just right. like uh, cattle, and nobody really, nobody really respected black women. It was, oh, you're this exotic thing, you're different. Uh, but you know what? We have all the same needs, all the same goals as everybody, as any other woman. And by that, I mean we want our children to be safe and happy and successful in whatever they choose to do. We mm -hmm. want our families to be safe. We want, mm -hmm. we want to have a safe life where we can right. do what we want to do. 
You know, that's right. not so unusual. Right. But the society doesn't care what we want, and they will disrespect us no matter what. I was once at a at a dinner, no, a, bre- a breakfast. As a matter of fact, it was a, a gospel brunch, and I was with a bunch of retired teachers from my school district where Thomas and I met. And this old, old, old retired teacher who wasn't there when I, w- when I came to the school, I left the, the, I left the table to go get some more food, and when I came back, she tugged me by the arm and said, uh, 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 could you get this, this end of the table some coffee? And I looked at her and I said, I don't work here, and went and sat wow. down. Now, what was it that made her think that I might be a server? The servers were all in T-shirts that were gray and pants that were black. I was purple from head to toe. Mm-hmm. What do you think mm-hmm. it was that made her think that I should go get her some coffee? That's what I'm saying. The fact that I was a black woman. Well. And, you know, and I was retired, so I was not a 20-year-old. So I, I say that to say, in this society, people still hold on to those stereotypes about us being For servants, sure. uh, being, sure. being people that they can order around. I mean, she, I was sitting at the same table she was, only down at the other end. And right. she thought I was serving people, and I, I wasn't serving anybody but me. Yeah, so you have sense. to understand. Yeah. And, 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 of course, I let the other white retired teachers know how unsatisfied I was with that, and they were all so embarrassed that she had stepped on her petard, that <laughs> she had made a fool of herself. But that's, that's the kind of stuff we still face. Even Barack Obama, when he was president, had to right. deal with disrespect. And that's one mm. of the ways that they that the society tries to keep us in check by saying, "Well, you don't really deserve respect because you're you're African American, you're black." No, I deserve respect because I've earned it. And if you don't yeah. know how to give it to me, let me help you with that. Well, I got a good oh, question. Where? Oh. I got a good question. Oh, there's there's so many places we can go. Okay, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just I just want to know, Barack Obama had all gray hair. Why didn't his wife? <laughs> Have you not heard of Lady Clairol? <laughs> well, right. she seems to very hold it together. They called her a mm-hmm. raccoon. They called her a coon. They called her every name. They depicted pictures of why is she in the White House. Um, they called her a gorilla, but she held right, yeah. she held her own and that because, power. Go ahead. Because when you know who you are. Nobody mm-hmm. can change that for you. Mm-hmm. She knew who she was, yes. and she just spat off. Okay. Every president leaves with white hair. Everyone, not one, except for Ronald Reagan, of course. He had his own Lady Clairol thing going on. But, mm-hmm. but when you know who you are, it doesn't matter what somebody else says about you. You don't have to buy into it. He had gray hair because of all the horrendous decisions that he had to make. She didn't have to make a lot of horrendous decisions. All she had to do was think to herself, I know who I am. I know what I do. I don't care what these people say about me because they don't know who I am or they wouldn't say that. Right. That's where, strong, that's where the strong black woman comes in. Nobody can tell you who you are. And if you let them tell you who you are, you don't know who you are. And that's very important. Yeah, I love that. And we have spoken about that on this show, how men get into certain situations because they don't know themselves. So how does a black woman today get to know herself in the face of all of that? That's a good question. Your your experience, your experiences with the people who are important to you, your family, your children, the men in your life, that's how you get to know who you are. And when you're getting respect from most of those places in your life, no, no outside folks can come and tell you who you are. Do you think right. she did not get that wisdom from her mother and her father? I mean, her father was disabled, and he still managed right. to raise a daughter who was confident and very smart and able. Right. Uh-huh. So it didn't matter what those people said about her. She kept right, right. on doing what she was doing and raising two gorgeous daughters who, are, sure who they had nothing but pride for. And well, how surprising was it for Barack Obama to see that in her? And that's what was so inspiring about their relationship in the White House is that they were a clearly black couple. There was no um, confusion about their ethnicity. And she was a strong-looking, very ethnically-looking sister who we love, you know. And so right. he saw that in her. Because he saw the beauty in her. He 
validated her. And what makes it so hard for so many other brothers to do that with y'all? Because we, what makes it so hard for us to date you? And I'm not, <laughs> what, what makes it so challenging? Insecurity. Insecurity. You think oh, that's man. it? Because you think that's it? Yeah, insecurity. If okay. you have, if you, if you're secure in yourself, but the man in your life isn't secure within himself, do you think he's going to be supportive of you? Right. I mean, if, right. if you That's... you had you had security in yourself and you connected right. with a woman who didn't believe that that you should be that secure, do you think she'd be supportive of you? Right. So how do what makes us so threatened by that when a woman shines her light like that and suddenly men feel perhaps diminished? Do women get a sense of that that they feel like they have to dim their light in order to not make the guy uncomfortable? Yes. But if you do that, then you start to resent who you are. Then you start you start worrying about who you are. So you can't you can't do that. You can't let some somebody take your light because they don't have it. That's when you have to walk away. Right, but how prevalent is that and how many women do you think are settling today? Or to what extent do you I, think you know, at, in my age group, not many. Most of them mm. say, "You know what? If that's what I have to put up with, I'd rather be on my own." Or I was what? at a they, they date other men. They don't want to settle. Outside. Well, some some date outside, some date inside, some just say, "You know what? I just don't need this headache." Mm. And that happens. You know, that happens. Because wouldn't you rather just as human beings, wouldn't you rather be in a relationship with somebody who has your back than not? Oh, yes. Well, I tell you, I, See, that's, that's no different for men or women. Well, I tell you, I tell you right. what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my time, and I'm going to really take my time. And I have taken my time, and I believe definitely I have found somebody, but I'm taking my time. And uh, I think if you yeah. take your time, sit back, relax, evaluate where they're coming from, where you're coming from, and uh, just exactly. allow God just to just kind of guide your mind, you know, and not put those pressures on you. And uh, don't settle. Hey. But hey, hey, uh, Doctor Nell Clark, we go, we gonna come, to, we gonna go to our next guest. But I thank you for coming on, and uh, it's always, okay. a, it's always Good a pleasure. Time. I know you's gonna get a little deep, and uh, we're gonna take a break, and uh, we'll come back, DJ Rome, with our next guest, uh, Miss Keeslin Daniel, social worker, Los Angeles, Long Beach. And uh, let's take us out with a little, with a little, uh, with a little beat. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll be back. Welcome. You've Bye-bye. been good. If I never own a mansion way out on a hill, I never see riches. Lord, I'll serve you still. If I lose all my possessions And my health begins to fail I can still say You've been good If I wake up on tomorrow Find that all of my loved ones are gone Look around and see that my friends are few. I'll still keep holding on. If I call and there's no answer in the midst of my despair, I can still say, Lord, you've been good. Done. Oh, 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 oh,
You're listening to exciting premium content on KC. You're listening to exciting premium content on KCWGTheTruth.com. Family, what's going on? What's going on? You're listening to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. I'm your host, T. Russ, and my boy, DJ Rome. What's up, my brother? Hey, everything's good, man. I love how this is flowing tonight. It was a pleasure to be speaking with Nell, man. Absolutely yeah. a pleasure. Well, Nell is one of the best psychologists uh, ever. I don't even put her in the category of male or female. She's just that awesome. And uh, I tell you what, we got another guest, and I want to yeah. introduce her, man. Uh, this young lady, uh, we crack up every time we see each other. I ain't seen her in a long time. She was an awesome social worker at Gardena High School. I was at Gardena High School. We've been all over L.A. And she has been, she's a world traveler also. She's a younger woman. And, uh, uh, man, awesome. And uh, when you see her, it kind of takes your breath away because she's not playing with the wardrobe. And she's uh, also a L.A. New Yorker. And so I want to introduce my friend, Keeslyn Daniel. How are you doing today? Hi, good evening. How are you? It has been a long time. I know. How you so been? I'm so proud of you and everything you're doing. I've been really great. Wow. And this is, my, this is my boy, DJ Rome. Hi, DJ hey. Rome. Hey, Keeslyn. You sound nice. excited. And are you always <laughs> living upbeat? Good Lord. Black I women. am. I am. Uh, man, did you, have, did you hear the question? Uh, Ms. Daniel? I did not. I heard you started starting to oh, it was deep. It was formulate deep. the question. Okay, here it is. Um, uh, all the things that you've done, and you said you was going to New York, right. and I was like, wow, you just going to go? You was like, I'm just going to go. And he was like, I have no kids, I have no responsibility, and I got responsibility to myself. And I said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to go get it. And you did it. And you were gone. I was like, wow. That was like, wow. Tell me about what, like, what drove you and your experiences. Uh, because you would talk about, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get kind of personal, not too personal, but we would talk about black men and we would talk about the black experience and we would talk about mm-hmm. where the men at. Um, right. And I would go, well, you know, a lot of them are in prison. What, what all of that has inspired you and drove you to be who you are? I think um, I'm energized of being free, you know, okay. and really setting my own um, my own standards for my life and not living according to anyone else's standards or expectations. And I think that's where we often get caught up. I had so many people who couldn't believe I was just moving across the country. It, it felt strange to have so many people feel like I was a strange one for doing what I wanted to do. Um, there was nothing literally holding me back from exploring the world. And, you know, I just, I, I found actually in recent years that I, I encourage and motivate so many people. I get people calling me or inboxing me on Facebook saying, wow, like you don't even know how you've encouraged and motivated me to kind of live free. Um, I think just living in this society and also just personally experiencing loss in my family and amongst people I know, it continues to resonate that tomorrow's not promised. So I totally try to live each day as such. Okay. And, um, just, you know, having more experiences just makes you a well-rounded person, you know, just being exposed to different types of people. If you think about people from the East Coast and West Coast, they're night and day. And I feel so fortunate to have had those experiences from, you know, different flavors. And I think you said flavors. You said flavors. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You said flavor. Okay. Um, I just, Flexibility, I think, is just one of those okay. skills that makes you marketable on a dating scene, on a um, you know um, professional scene. Like it just makes you really it, it riches the quality when you're flexible. And I think I have that, and I just have no fear. That's how God created me to be fearless. So. Well, um, let, let me throw his, really let me throw something in there because I'm about to blow blow it out. Okay, you're gonna be like, I can't believe he asked me that. Um, when we're at Gardena, you are very attractive. And I would hear the men go, right. oh, man, look at that. I'm like, who? I'm like, her. And I'll go, oh, that's just Kieselin. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
And they would go, what are you talking about? Man, she's a social worker. She's She's got it together. Look at her, whatever. And I'll go, she's just Kieselin. She's cool. And right. with that being said, you know, I have that aura about me too, the same as you. That's why we got along because we understood right. our freedom. What is the difference between the East Coast brother and a West Coast brother? When you went out there, is it different when you traveled around the world? Is it? Oh, yeah. Di- okay, tell me about that. Well, just to speak on the East Coast, West Coast, I'll just share that I really, the thing that I'm, attracts me so much about East Coast men, sorry to say, but they're, re- they're very assertive and they don't have a problem saying you look beautiful, you look gorgeous. Like, And I feel like in L.A., guys are not as, you know, open to, you know, really showing someone that they're interested in them. Um, I don't know. I, I think it has a lot to do with, um, you know, we're, we're walking on the streets of New York. You're coming into contact with people more frequently. You know, in L.A., we're in our cars, you know. Um, it's, it's more, I think it's more opportunities to be, to create a facade. And New York, we're standing right, we're on the train every day next to each other. I think it's more opportunities to engage. But they, men, to me, are very much more assertive and not afraid to say, wow, you look beautiful today. And, and it may just end there. It's not a necessity to keep it going. If they just want to tell you you're beautiful, that's it, and they'll keep it moving. But I think they have more practice with interacting with women, you know, whether it's a success, whether I got her number, or it was just I got an opportunity to interact with another woman who I thought was beautiful, and she accepted and received that and moved on. Where men in L.A., I think, are too much, they're not humble enough to really, I think they feel like they should be courted to an extent, some of them. <laughs> what, 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 how have you supported as a younger black woman, how have you supported the black man as far as, you know, we all see the insecurities that black men have gone through? I say see the insecurities because of the things a lot of uh, us go through. We think we need the rams, the shoes. Um, we think we need to impress. That's, that's what I look at on the West right, Coast. Right. Um, I've been to, I have a lot of friends from New York, and, and they, they have a different perspective on life. Me, I'm a, I have a blend of everything around me, so I'm a little different. Uh, I could care less what mm-hmm. anybody think. You know me. But how is you? How have you empowered the movement of just trying to help the black man? How how have you did that? So I think for me, um, one thing that's really unique about me and my approach to um, engaging men or being engaged, I'm you know I'm very pleasant, and I think sometimes women lose the fact that if you're gorgeous, you have to get used to the fact that people are going to compliment you. Actually, you should be feeling some kind of way if nobody said that you look nice today or you smell good. And I think sometimes women, we have created this bubble around ourselves and we don't want anyone to say anything to us unless we like them. Mm-hmm. And I support that, but I always accept compliments if a man gives it to me. I all, I'm able to draw boundaries. If I'm in a relationship or if I'm not interested, I can say that without being rude or mean or nasty. I'm not, you know, and I hate that black women have this angry black woman, you know, mask, you know, that, that people actually oftentimes pin on some of us that we're not. But I think, and you know, based on our experiences, we sometimes, you know, we get hardened and we can't really see the um, simplicity of receiving a compliment. So mm. how I support that is I always encourage men. When a man gives me a compliment, I, I will thank him. I may give him one back and it may even chit and chat, but it, it does, it's not always about somebody trying to sue you or, okay. you know, it may just be somebody thinks that you're gorgeous and they want to share that with you. So mm. receive it, you know. Okay. And okay. I think that's what I've done in terms of interacting with men, just making them feel comfortable and giving them that green light hey some of us do accept their compliments and take them for what they are and are okay with that you know wow dj Rowan. are you from la originally so yeah let's go back to that actually no i was born um down south in jackson mississippi so um i have that southern background but you know my mom you know my mom moved to california when i was five so i grew up here you know Uh, raised in california but you know definitely the roots are there of course Right, and we can go into the difference with the the brothers down south. And I don't. I, I have a sister that has dated men from the south, and of course they have a more natural chivalry with them. And of course, East Coast men they right. have their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the angry black woman thing. What is it about that that makes it so necessary? Sometimes is it a time management tool because you know guys are always trying to holler and you don't want to be mean. You don't want to give off bad energy. You don't want to turn away good energy. But at the same time, you don't have time to speak and engage with everyone because they're going to. You're take listening it as, to exciting premium content on KCWG. You're listening to exciting premium content on KCWGTheTruth.com. In more detail about what that facade is like for a woman, what makes her put up that quote-unquote angry mask? Um, I think 
you know, our experiences, which differ a lot, but I think the commonality is sometimes the way people approach approach you, you know. I always, you know, make a joke, you know, like um, with women, especially women in New York. Like, these are women who constantly may get catcalled, again, because they're moving about the city in a different way. When you're in the car, you're kind of protected. You're insulated. You don't have to worry about so much of that. So I think based on, you know, certain experiences, we often do. Like you said, I got places to go. I can't stop and acknowledge every every person that gives me a compliment. But I think also just the demeanor that you carry yourself in. You know, if you're just smiling, like I, I think a smile doesn't cost anything. And a smile could let someone know I'm receiving it. I may not have time to say th- even say thank you, but a smile is enough. Like, you know, and not that everybody has to be happy, but do we have to be angry all the time? I mean, there's a lot of things going on, of course, to make one angry, but that's not really um, a role or a the energy I, I care to carry around. So I have had conversations with women about, you know, like you said, what what is that like? Like, what what's going on with that? And I think um, people are sometimes people are just exhausted. They're tired, you know. They don't know how to receive it. But right, go ahead. Right. And are you dating right now? Are you dating out in the world? Are you dating online? Um, what what's the dating scene like in your experience right now? Um. <laughs> so I am dating now. Uh, actually, I'm dating long distance because my boyfriend does currently reside in New York. So I am long distance. I'm in a long distance relationship. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, well, well, let me throw this at you. Uh, how do you? How do you? You know, you counsel all kind of uh, young women. How do? What do you tell the black young ladies? I mean, about when you see them come in and they seem like they don't have an understanding of who they are. How do you? How do you go about that? What's your approach? Um. I. Yeah. My approach is really like a lot of transparency and when, when when you share people tend to share as well so um being transparent and really being open to hearing you know what what people say i think people feel your energy so they have levels of comfort of what they they will share with you and um i always talk about setting a standard for women because i think um we often don't have some of us don't have standards so we'll kind of accept whatever for lack of a better term and the thing that I always question people about that gut feeling, you know, when okay. the red flags pop up, what made you ignore them? So mm. that's the route I go with people to really have them kind of process like, hmm, that did sound suspicious or that didn't sound right. But why was I comfortable with keeping it moving with the person? Right. So I right. always, you know, go from that angle because it's more reflective and it's not really about them. It's about you. So what is it about you that made you ignore the fact that this man only calls you, you know, or you can't get him after nine o'clock or you know what I mean some of the obvious things that other people will be like hmm that's a little red flag why did you continue to proceed so I, I try to take that more reflective approach because it is all about self and if you can't figure self out then you're going to allow anybody to come into your space to kind of really navigate who you are as a person and the last question we got about a minute how do you look at spirituality in, 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 in versus dating how, do, how does that coincide in, in your belief in God well, that's like <laughs> yeah, I threw um, one at you. The, that's straight off the list. I can't even go there because I'm a deep person and I'm just very, okay. um, you know, I'm I live in the world. I'm not of the world, so I can't really I can't really vibe and connect with someone who doesn't have you know knowledge of a God and have a spiritual connection. Okay. Um, I think you know people when they're not strong in their faith and that's something that they don't even you know they may not require because they don't see the importance of it. They don't see it for your, for themselves, but. I think if you're of that, you're naturally, you know, I'm all about attraction and who you attract. And I feel like I generally attract people who are, who are sane, who are the same. And that goes about with confidence, too. Like, men are attracted to people or women who are confident if that's what they're seeking. If they're seeking a victim, they will find a victim. You know, right. victims are not right. really hard to find. So right. I'm, I'm all Rough. about energy and what I put out is what I feel like I give. Absolutely. Ruff, can I jump in with one more? We got one more question, yeah. Okay. What is it that you wish you could set the record straight on if you could in one fell swoop? What is the biggest misconception about sisters today that black men keep getting wrong or any man who wants to date you? What is it that you wish you we know, could finally do our thick skull? <laughs> a roll is funny. Okay. A couple things, but I want to say, like, you know, I, I get really frustrated with the fact that men, a lot of men feel like women are like, um, for lack of a better term, like gold diggers, you know, they after something. And okay. I feel like that's one of the 
one of the hugest myths because I feel like men have created those women, you know. Okay. That's not a product of a woman creating it. A man created a gold digger, in my personal opinion. Men have used things to attract certain type of women, and then once they attract that that woman, and she's now into those things and maybe subsequently into him, and then if he loses those things, she's no longer into him. So mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. men have created that dynamic in relationships where I'm going to give this and give this because I don't think I can get her without those things. So that's really yeah. frustrated me when I see So he wasn't real. He wasn't this. real. He wasn't real. He yeah. wasn't real. Okay. Well, bro, we got to go. You know, let's uh, <laughs> uh, kiss him to get deep and keep getting deep. Hey, but I appreciate you being on the show, uh, Ms. Daniels. I would love to come back. Okay. Please invite me back. Okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate you, DJ Rome. Hey, we're going to kick it out of here. But if everybody's listening, uh, it's kcwgthetruth.com. You can see it's on the internet. And you can call at 716-748-0319. This is Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. Man, we get down. And uh, we'll see you next Thursday. And we'll have another topic for you. And we'll get a little deeper. Yes, indeed. Yes, sir. We gone. Real love, real talk, uncut on the Facebook page, y'all. Yes, sir. What love. love. I think of his grace and imagine his life. You just listened to an exclusive KCWGTheTruth.com program on our subscription premium content channel. Thank you again for your support of KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio on the planet.